0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. This is a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars concerning RPG design and publishing. This panel has been recorded at Gen Con 2016 and sponsored by the Indie Game Developer Network. Episode 96, Playtesting RPGs. Recorded at Gen Con 2016, Presented by Jason Pitt, Emily Kerr Boss, and Mark Richardson. Introduction to playtesting role playing games. And who we are. And who we are. So, uh, we are members of the Indie Game Developer Network, Booth 2311. Uh, In the marketplace, a uh, group of like minded small indie publishers and designers. Uh, my name is Jason Pitt of Genesis of Legend Publishing. I'm Mark Richardson of Green Hat Designs.
1: Emily Carabas of Black and Green Games. Uh,
0: and, yeah, this is like your show, right? This is really like the uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, she's you have the pro. You have this, you
2: have special. Uh, you
0: have
1: the industry insider
0: track is here. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, so here's the level of experience we've got here. Um, uh, Emily is the pro. Uh, Mark is the newbie, and I'm somewhere in the middle and loud. Um, so, yes, we are here to help you uh, playtesting. Who here is has a game that they want other people to playtest? Raise your hand. Hey, that's... wow.
1: That's a majority of the... Of the
0: but that's good. You're in the right room, then. So Who here is wanting to be a better playtester for other people? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. play playtesting is a skill on both sides? Dis- despite what some people will say. Um recommendation, uh, partially, I have a number of panels on my website uh, for the RPG Design Panelcast, and there's a number of playtesting panels, including how to be a good playtester, how to give and receive critique, uh, which may be particularly useful for you in the future. This is super meta for people who are listening to the RPG Design Panelcast right now. Stop plugging yourself!
1: (laughs) Plug, plug, plug.
0: So, yes. um, There's also a whole... uh,
1: um, Basically, part of the con right now that's devoted to play testing it's a great resource uh, for people who have games that they want to bring in. I'm just blanking on the name. Of uh, the exposure first play
0: exposure playtest play- play- hall Double by exposure. Double Exposure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. who also run uh, the, the met- convention. The
2: the uh, the convention, which is if you're a game designer and you don't go to Metatopia, you are doing yourself a disservice.
1: It's in November and basically it brings together people who are working on games to talk about them, and it brings uh, play testers who can. uh, play their games and um, it allows you to have feedback and discourse with other people who are doing the same thing you are it's it's a really great uh, cultivating place.
0: And for clarity this is for role playing games board games, card games, LARPs if it's analog if it's analog, show up it's there for you and there's a lot of really smart minds there Uh, happy to help Uh, and very technically focused panels on things so, do have, yes.
2: Do you have, like, a structure for this? I'm not sure. Oh, uh, let's
0: go with it in terms of the general kinds of playtests and, like, where it is in pro- progress. Sorry, I have a structure in my head. go. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll correct you. Yes. Please feel free to talk over me. Mm-hmm. You can't. Um, <laughs> so there's a number of different kinds of playtests, and each of these has different requirements, different benefits, and different techniques that will uh, really assist there is, um, I want to say, alpha test. It's concept testing. This is, I have a game with two pencils and a cat. Will it hold together if I'm sitting at a table with beer with three other designers? This one, you just want other people with uh, design experience. They can be, they can know you. They can be best buds. This is, this is a really good thing to do with your. Uh, friends and fellow designers, because we can't take the results, it's too preliminary. Um, and it's going to be really crude. Um, if you do E-max this... cards, yeah. uh, papyrus font, like, really ugly, really, and you're just trying to see, does the core bit that I'm trying to test hold together if I poke it in the right ways?
2: If you do this at a convention, this will probably take the form of a focus group. Um, if, if you get technical fancy word kind of thing on it um, and you can have focus groups of people it's really good to find and talk to people who are like if you're making a fake game go find some people who have made some fake games and talk about your idea to them they'll have problems they'll have problems that are right around the door that they've already fixed because they hit them you know
0: uh, so you're going to be doing a lot of these and most of these will not pan out in the end and you'll say no, this is oh, I'm just kidding this is a trash bin yep no I have spent an hour. That is about enough. Um, there is actually a long tradition uh, for uh, games that are developed uh, in an improvised fashion at, a, at the table that someone can speak of. Uh, playstorming.
1: I was going to talk about that a time. So, uh, playstorming is halfway between game design and brainstorming. And um, at our home con in Massachusetts, GPCon and, and some in New York, we, we did this in sort of a structured way where we had people come who had just a, a game idea they hadn't developed very far. And then we sat them down with three or four other people who were interested in games, who had some knowledge and had played games. And then uh, you take that initial idea and put it into play and then sort of uh, get the, the, the gathered wisdom of the other people at the table of ways that you might do it and immediately try it out. That's that's one of the big things about this style of design. You're not trying to get it all perfect, but you also are, not, are definitely not sitting there talking about what it could be, because the longer you talk, the less information you get about how it feels, what it looks like. You're doing all the things that Jason was just describing, but you're developing on the fly. Um, and there were some great games that have come out of this. Um, Trial and Terror is a, a game for free. It's a supernatural uh, court drama game. Uh, you can find it at uh, um, dig a thousand holes, uh, dot com. and and um, and it's it's also a way to uh, get ideas from other people when you want them, because people will give you ideas about your games all the time, whether you want them or not. Um, this and, is a good place. Yes, <laughs> throw ideas at <of> this. <laughs> um, and there's another concept that we sort of put together for this this style of development, which is. Someone comes as the game-bearer. I always think of it like uh, Frodo in Lord of the Rings. He's the game-bearer. It's a burden. It's 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 it's, it's a privilege. people Slide this for me. Please. Yeah. Um, and so that person is the one who walks away and says, oh, of all those 50 ideas that we came away with, this is what really matches what I'm going to do. And you have no responsibility to take any of the other ideas. People also can take them and steal them and make their own game with them. Um, and also, you don't have to say, oh, well, that person really did the design because I I didn't think of it. They they wanted to give you this idea. Acknowledge their contribution when you publish a book and sell a million copies. Say, I thank this person. They were really helpful. But it's your work. Because you're taking it, you're making it into a real idea, and then eventually making it into a real book. Like
2: a strategy I have... Developed for the trick that I use anyway for getting because you are going to get tons of feedback from people unsolicited feedback. Your people are going to play the game and know how to fix it, and you're like that's your game, but not my game because it's a different vision thing. Like, know what you're trying to do. Like, that's it. having your vision is really important. Um, and uh, so you, but what I do is when I'm at conventions and I play t- and I was playtesting Headspace. Uh, I every time somebody told me something that I should do, this game needs more samurai. Um, I would write it, I have, a, I have one book just for this, and I would write down, this game, does this game, I would turn it into a question. Does this game need more samurai? Sorry. Um, does this game need more samurai? And uh, I would put a question mark at the end of it, and I would not put a name next to that question or anything, and I would put all of these questions in one book, uh, and they would just accumulate over the course of the convention, and then I would put that book away. And about two or three weeks later, I would open that book up, and I would look at all of these questions about my design, and I would ask them to myself, and many of the answers were, "This is stupid," "This is bullshit," um, but some of them are like, "That's a really interesting idea." You're I not right, thought don't have enough samurai. I don't have enough yeah. samurai. You know, uh, maybe this needs to be samurai world. You know, I, so you uh, and and I found that was a really nice thing of sort of breaking that information apart, pulling some of the emotion out of it, because you're emotionally invested in this stuff. So, you know, I mean, obviously, right, people try to help. But sometimes they just make you cry.
1: I've given myself a script that I s- say, that I know that I'm going to say, when people give me feedback that is hard to take. You know, it might be when I'm actually asking for feedback and I get surprised by something they say, where they, think they say, this central thing about your game is just stupid and wrong. So my script for myself is, thank you, that's great feedback. Um, and I, I don't always succeed in saying it, but it's really good for me to just have words to say, even when my heart is broken... Because later on, I might realize, oh, that really was good feedback. But in that moment, I wasn't able to do anything else. So just writing it down, thanking them, even though they're breaking your heart, uh, is a good way to, to, to not um, instead defend your work. Because when you're playtesting, you should never have to defend your work. The other person has no control over what you're going to do. But it's really hard not to sometimes say, oh, that's, really, that's how it has to be. And then you, you sort of sidetrack your whole process into um, an emotional journey that you don't need to take another person
0: on. Yeah, my script is very similar, which is thank you. I'll have to think about this more deeply after the convention. You people really are. Better, better than really words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love your writing down idea, but I'm going to steal that.
2: Sure. Uh, um, so I would say also in, in the early focus group area, like the place where more chatter is occurring, record recorded. it. Um, if you have a phone, which is everybody in this room probably, <laughs> You can get really simple apps, and like an iPhone or any modern phone or any good smartphone will record in a small room fairly easily um, and surprisingly good quality. Uh, and if you want to go semi-pro, you, yeah, one you, of you, these can, get, you can get one of these things. But uh, highly, highly recommend, because when you're having a conversation, uh, especially late at night, uh, you're going to forget things. You're not going to be writing everything down. Uh, and then you, like, you know, listen to it on the plane on your way home, and you're going to hear wisdom bombs that
0: you didn't it's like, know. oh, I never thought of this. Oh, yeah. Especially I when really
2: you have, nervous. like, uh, very um, pers- high personality people like Ken Hike giving yep. you ideas, because there's going to be, like, a freight train coming mm-hmm. at you. Um, so that, that's sort of in from
0: the focus grouping land. Um,
1: Should we move to the next stage? Yeah, uh, sure.
0: let's just try to think there anything else that we are missing on oh, that. Come back. Oh, yes. The key thing that you are getting out of a focus group is I want you to answer the three questions. What is your game about? How does it do this? What behaviors does this reward encourage? You need to be able to answer those questions when you're done with your alpha test. Because you'll, you will be using those as your baseline to point to when you're going through the rest of your testing. Can you repeat the questions. Um, it there it, is Jared Sorenson's, uh three questions. Um, if you Google
2: that. You'll Google find
0: that. It. Um, and there's the Power Nineteen. There's, there's the Power Nineteen.
2: Like, the power, if you Google like I think if you should actually just Google Power Nineteen. You'll probably find it, which is like a list of sort of nineteen very 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 specific game design questions. That I mean, everybody will have different opinions on this, but uh, they if you. You want to be able to try to be able to answer all those questions because they're really going to hit like the key elements of like you know what do my players do, do you have a DM? what do they do, you know uh, questions that sometimes you don't ask yourself um, because a lot of times when you're designing things and, and doing early playtesting you make a lot of assumptions and so it helps break down some of your assumptions and force you to say hey should this game be GMless? Hmm.
1: And the three again were what is your game about? Uh, what were the- uh, How did you say
0: uh, about? What is your game about? Uh, how does it do this? How does it do this? And, and what, what is it? Re- uh, what behaviors does
2: it Yeah, yeah. Was it the last
0: time? What de- behavior
2: does it incur? I mean, there's very varia- Yeah,
0: reward. Um, there's variants of all of this, but in general, um, all the cards on here that have a link to my podcast also have a list of other questions that you can look at. Um, but those are those those are good line. for helping the, kind of the exactly. Well. So effectively, you at the end of your alpha test, you will have a concept and a, and a core that you're working on. And then you're going to be trying to refine that into the actual game that you want. Uh, so, the questions will help you leap over from alpha to beta. Beta test. Or um, well, technically alpha test, really. Uh, well, beta test, the way that I'm defining it, which is completely just the way Jason defines playtesting, uh, consists of Um, you running this for other people, preferably outside of your home group. Yeah. Um, sometimes in your home group, but you're, like, running it, running it and actually trying to run the game, as opposed to the spitballing focus group kind of
1: thing. For me, this is where I feel like I learn the most about the game, because I'm actually able to observe how other people interact with it. (laughs) The next step of this process of getting verbal feedback from people is really important. But for me, this is where I feel like uh, things rise or fall. Um, because I'm uh, basically, this is the experience that I'm going to give people when they play my game later on or run it. So if it doesn't work here, then it's, it's not working.
0: It, yeah, it needs work. Uh, this and is the bulk of the time. You are going to be doing this for, in my experience, however, a year or two. Well, however, uh, on for a team. big, big project. Uh, for a small project, you know a little while, but like this is going to be the bulk of the heavy lifting, because it's an iterative process. So, you take it to a convention, you grab your feedback, you analyze it, you find out, oops, these relationship mechanics just make everyone angry at each other, and this is a, supposed to be a happy, fluffy bunny game. So, let's change these relationship mechanics so they're not all angry. Okay, now let's do another playtest with these happy, fluffy me- relationship mechanics. Do those work I like to come to, with playtests, like
2: a conceptual idea of, like, there, I, like if I come to a convention, I want to do multiple playtests of the same game with different slight iterations and changes. Because I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to fly all the way down to Gen Con, run my game four times, and then, like, basically just get all of the same data back, you know? Like, I want different data from every game if I can. So, like, if there are big, if there are, if there are fuzzy parts of your game, like, I don't know, you have a stress trap that sits in the middle of the table, then put... Have it with four, uh, four boxes in one play test, and six boxes in another play test, and five in another. Don't tell your players that you're doing different things. Just tell them this is what we're we're doing, because it'll kind of change how they're they're interacting with things. But then you get different pieces of information. You'll see things that just
0: outright fail. Question: um, Do y'all consider this more of a hands-off? Um, no, 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 that's the third one. That's okay. the next one. Yeah, that's we're the, there. That's this hand is
2: still you running so it. Yeah. So you're in re- direct control. Um, yeah, so I like to try to come with a bit of a battle plan in terms of uh, different things I want to try. Uh, you can... Um, one of the things you can do when you're doing, even uh, when you're moving from sort of alpha to beta, is like you can take pieces of your game that you know are working better, and like Okay, we, we are just going to do combat today, you know? And that's all. Like, this game, the, the game begins in a gunfight. We do not care about the narrative reasons why this is occurring, because we just want to find out if, if the rules of the gunfight work.
0: And you can totally do that. just And be clear with people. Yep. That's what um, beautiful example. I have a game that I was designing, uh, Spark. It has a long-term campaign-level mechanic. So what we did was, each session is exactly one scene. So you're going to do long-term mechanic that starts at the beginning of the session, then end of session, start of session, end of session, start of session, end of session. Like a little bit of fiction in the middle, just to sort of pat it out. So we can test roughly, here's six sessions of play in a four-hour time slot. Because, you, you know, like everybody wants a lot of games. That way a, a lot lot of games the want long-term hap- progression of how this. A
2: lot of games want yeah. campaign play. Yeah, and, and but the thing is, you know, that's I mean, it's, it's very unrealistic to to, to to have like unless you're a giant company to, to somehow get or have really crazy followers, you know. Um, and that's great. I'm not. We, there we love re, really crazy followers. The, those are great.
0: Like, but yeah.
1: Yep. Um, I was thinking about how you garner the feedback from the players. once you get. One of the things that I found is useful is to have a moment where people can write down what their feedback is before you actually start talking because there's a dynamic that happens that when people say things about your game, it changes how the other people at the table think about their experience, even though they just had it. Um, So being able to have a few questions. um, And this is an opportunity, too, for you to uh, focus the people who have played on what you need to get feedback about. You might be absolutely certain that uh, three quarters of your system is totally done. You've played it a million times. You don't really need them to focus on that. and you, so you can ask them questions about the things that you are still working on, and then say, and is there anything else you want to mention? And then if they go and mention the other pieces that you think are strong and say, oh, that was horrible, then you know it really stood out and you maybe need to look back at that. But you can focus them on the, the areas that you still need feedback on. And if it's general, you know, if it's at the start, then maybe you can pick the pieces that you're most um, unconfident about and then see what else rises to the
2: surface. Yeah, be, be clear... You know, like this is your baby, be clear to the audience that is playtesting it what you're looking for. You know? Tell them the things you want to them to do in the playtest, tell them the things you don't want them to do. Some people as from this from the perspective of learning to be a better playtester, some people come in with this Really, uh are gonna break this game. Yeah, my job, your job as a playtester is not to break the game, unless the unless the person running the game has told you explicitly please, that's please, the goal. Please, because <laughs> the, the 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 point is not I'm to make the is not to make the the, yeah. the, the, the writer cry. I mean, yeah. that without probably happen anyway. But only yeah. no friends. <laughs> um, you know, like you're... you need to be clear to tell people what. Uh, and and if you are a playtester and they haven't asked you, ask them what kind of feedback they're looking for. Um. I was just gonna ask. So, how long are you play testing with
0: friends then? Because that's still alpha. Yeah, testing yeah. So, um, when the finished. wheels on the bus go
2: round and round. Play, yeah,
0: yeah. So, play testing with friends is beginning of beta. Sometimes you run. You'll have a running campaign, but you have to sort of discount because okay. they have had too much exposure. Effectively, you use up your playtesters testers by exposing them to your game. So your. This is why conventions are great. Because you go, hey, I've never met you before, I'll never meet you again, let's play this game! Um, because they don't know how to adapt to you, you don't know how to adapt to them, so you can't subconsciously patch over the fact that that uh, girl in the corner is very shy and will avoid conflict. So you like, There's things that you will do when you're running a game, mm-hmm. and those will patch over holes in your game. And with new people, you can't do that patching. And that's super that's helpful. Partner, anyway. It's diverse, uh, more diverse experiences. So, for instance, if you've got a home group that is four dudes, you're going to get very different feedback than if you come to a convention and have a uh, a group of 18 uh, year old girls, girls who are friends who are coming to playtest this. Like, it, they're going to have very different feedback, different perspectives, most likely, and that's super valuable.
1: This is also where another huge roadblock in playtesting comes up, which is just finding playtesters. Yeah. That, I, that yeah. consistently yeah. is the hardest yes. thing to do. So having things like uh, the uh, uh, double exposure hall here is an amazing resource. Metatopia is an amazing resource. Uh, online is a great place to do this. Uh, there's uh, Indie Plus, which is a series of um, uh, podcasts and events. Uh, Contessa online is another place where you can go on to Google Plus and uh, play games with other people online. Um, so even if you don't have people where you are, you can find people who might be able to be and to try something out. And uh, something that I did was a little bit of social engineering to create an atmosphere where people were interested in it. Um, there's a bunch of people who design in the state where I live. So we just started a little con. It was like a dozen people at first. We just had it in a church basement. But we ran games that had been published, and we also offered games that were playtests. And so we did this once or twice a year. It was really cheap, you know, we would like put out a potato salad or something for people to eat. And we um, and created an atmosphere where people actually were excited to come to playtest our games. And some of them were our friends, but a lot of them were people that we didn't know who also wanted to find people to play these crazy games with. And that's, uh, we started that um, ten years ago. We got to um, have our tenth anniversary of that. That's a lot, yeah, that's a JenCon game, book. And a lot of games developed because we just had this community. And it also allowed us to find other people who were allies, either as players or other designers that we were working
2: with. And you can totally play test at conventions that are not like inherently designed as playtest at conventions. Like I took my game at various iterations. I mean it was runnable, but I took it at various iterations to Gen
0: Con. You know? So there's a just be clear there. it's a playtest. <laughs> and then a question there.
1: What was the name of the website you
2: said a second ago?
0: Uh, oh, the E contes- uh, and Contessa. In in
1: Contessa. Okay. Contessa. C O N T E S S A. And if you can find them
0: on Google Plus as
1: well. Both of yeah, yeah.
0: So. Go on Google Plus if you aren't on there, because that's actually where we do a lot of this. Uh, there's a huge amount of RPG t- tabletop d- designers right. on G Plus communities. So there's someone in a red shirt first. Uh, two, two questions. Okay. You hit know, something I was going to ask about earlier how much do you pay attention to demographics? Because
2: if your game seems to geared towards a certain thing and then all your play testing or doesn't you know, align with that or do you not pay attention at all, and kind of related, do you ever make sure Because not everyone's like amazing at math, whether it's an RPG or the other one, make sure you have that guy that's really smart <coughs> in math or statistics that, you know, they're going to realize, hey, I can do this if it's been broken or this isn't going
1: to make any sense or this is a loophole and this is easy to Having a friend who's really good at math and statistics is one of your best tools as a game designer. Or being that person yourself. Uh, but not everybody has the time to go develop, to, develop to it. Um, and also a lot of the uh, you can't always break it down that way. You can't always just say, oh well I've got this beautiful bell curve and it's going to work out beautifully. So just seeing how it works over and over
2: and over again is, is, is a great tool as well. Yeah, like I mean, I have a mechanic in my like uh, well, I mean, Apocalypse World is a great example. So very certain things happen at very certain stages of dice rolling. You can go and run a a game of of pretty well any Apocalypse World, and just by random luck, no one ever rolls below a ten during the whole game. It'll probably be one of the more boring Apocalypse World games. Or, or but, harsher. Or yeah, or harsher. ten. So the thing is, is you can you can have everything like here's my Belker, and then every, no one can roll above a four all game, you know? <laughs> and it'll tell you something about what happens when that happens, and that's actually really useful, too. Um, in terms of the demographic element, um, depending, if you're at certain conventions, like certain sort of Metatopia, for example, you can totally go to them and say, I want, uh, or could you please try to have just women uh, to play this game, because I want to know a certain thing about it, or maybe whatever the game is. Or, you know, I, I want um, you know, maybe your game is exploring some element of you know race relations, and so you want to have people who can speak to that because you don't want to come off like a giant douchebag. Um, and so, you know, that's totally things you can do. That's harder to do in something like Gen Con where you. That is it. what
0: Metatopia is awesome yeah, for. Yeah. So
2: like, because Gen Con's like, I have a game, it's playtest. You just sign up for it. You don't really have any betting or control over people showing up in it. Uh, whereas some conventions have a bit more control on it.
1: Some things you can do in the description of the game. For example, if you're writing a game that's intended for younger audiences, obviously you're going to include that information. If it's a game that has mature or uh, disturbing uh, material, then you really want to include content warnings. That way people can self-select in. um, And and also just recognize that we have certain limitations. Um, You maybe aren't going to be able to get exactly the demographic you're going for. But if you have a very specific demographic in mind, then maybe you have to change where you're running it in order to be able to
0: reach those books. Uh, so there's a question here, and then we need to move on to blind playtesting. Mm-hmm. What is a good time at Gen Con to schedule a playtest? Is there like a certain time windows that are better than
2: others? Like- uh, not really. Uh, if you do stuff at Games on Demand, the morning of the first day is definitely pretty quiet. Uh, but it, it's sort of the tricky... I don't know. It's, uh, nah. That is a good question. Uh, don't don't have data for you. Yeah, don't, don't.
0: Um... um
2: depending uh, if you if you end up running games mm-hmm. over certain times you mm-hmm. will end up with different kinds of players in your game like you're highly unlikely to, if you run a game tonight uh, between 6 and 10 or 12 you're highly unlikely to have many designers show up at your table to play test to the any so mm-hmm. you can, you know, schedule around big award kind of moments or something. like But the Ennies is just probably the only thing. I mean, I'm
0: is thinking. it, like, mornings better than new afternoons? It, it, they're just
1: One thing that I might be able to say is that if you want to make sure you get people when they're fresh, don't do it late at night. Um, yeah, Is there too
0: early in the morning, too? Um, yes, there yeah, is too, too early yeah. in the morning. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well no,
0: I'm not saying, like, 10 o'clock or anything like that. But no, like, well, it's 10 o'clock too early in the morning.
1: Depends um, on who, you're, depends who, who, is. who you are. Like, yeah, sort of yeah. In a broad brush, probably mm-hmm. getting sort of in the middle of the day. But and yeah, again, yeah, early on in a con is maybe a little better than later because people are exhausted okay. or they're focused on making sure that they get the game that they want to buy mm-hmm. from the exhibit hall. So maybe look at your own experience. When would you feel best about playtesting? And, and pick times like that. Uh, one, so,
2: yeah. one, one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, oh, first of all, is, is, is everyone here, okay, are, is, are people doing card games uh, board games, RPGs. Okay, I was just curious where, where we were talking to this. But uh, one thing that I think is really important and was taught to me a long time ago, and I now use it every game I always use, is uh, are, are people familiar with the concept of the X card? Okay, so there's only like one or two. So this is, I think, something that's really important that people tend to forget in playtesting is a lot of games have. You know, games have different and uh, things that people are not comfortable with. I don't know playtesters, they're not friends of mine, so I have no idea their, their personal histories and what they're comfortable with. What the X card is, you just take an in- index card, it's from John who's the guy who came up with the idea. Uh, you put an X, a black X, and you put it in the middle of the table, and at the beginning of the playtest, you explain to everyone that any time during the game, uh, you can pick it up, point to it, whatever, we will stop what we're doing and we will find another way. There is was no obligation in this process to explain why you feel uncomfortable, okay? Uh, and this is a lot of times it will not get used, but it creates a, a a level of comfort in the room, and it does get used, and it's really helpful because you know if if you're doing a, I mean I did a game exploring about you know fucked up people with emotional issues, um, and so it's like I don't know, I mean you know if we had a scene where. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do scenes where people get caught in burning buildings, and maybe you just like that happened to you, and you're really uncomfortable with it. And then you would just point at that, and we would stop, and we'd go
0: to another thing, and we just skip it. And, and that it, sense of safety and comfort is, is, incredibly, is important incredibly important for your playfulness. If you want honest feedback, honestly, like just from a purely utilitarian perspective, if you want honest feedback, people have to feel safe, or they will shut down. Um, the thing that you're trying to get out of a beta test is killing your darlings. It sounds brutal, but there are always going to be things in your game that you include because you think it's a cool mechanic, because you think it could add something good to the game, but it either doesn't support what the game is about, or it just adds complication and doesn't hold enough of its weight. I actually, in this stage for one of my games, I completely ripped out my core resolution system, threw it in the garbage, rewrote it from scratch, using the same stats. Like, all the things that fed into it stayed the same, but I rewrote the entire resolution system because it was all darlings and the ones that I had uh, designed two years ago, functionally, that I'd just been carrying along the whole time. So this is super hard, super painful, and this is the... When you think you've killed all your darlings, that's usually a sign that you're done with the blind play test, uh, the, with the beta test, in my opinion. Uh, yeah.
1: Things to look out for. If no one's ever using the rule, maybe it doesn't need
0: to be in the game. Again. Yeah. Um, or if everyone hates the rule, and it's the only thing they talk about because it's terrible. <laughs> yes, I know it's beautiful to
2: you, but no. A lot of people end up using like I mean there's all there's all sorts of very good reasons to pick systems and hack them to do things because you 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 it's I mean it, it takes up a lot of heavy lifting. Um, but the thing is is when you hack a system and you use it for your own concept, there are a lot of vestiges in that idea that are just gonna float along for a long ass time. And you one of the things you really need to do is you need to let go if you're making a fate hack or a powered by apocalypse hack, you need to look at that and go. What in this is not everything to do with my game? Yeah, it was great in Dungeon World, but who gives a shit? And Purge was fire. So, um, damage. What is Headspace Yeah, so, like, in Headspace is powered by Apocalypse, and I had a, a, a harm health mechanic. And I had it up until last Gen Con. And at the last playtest of my last Gen Con, one of the folks in the room was like, All right, well, I see this, but, like, what, why is it really here? Like, I mean, obviously we take damage, fine, but we're super badass people, and all it does is basically give penalties to our roll, which then actually doesn't make us badass anymore. And I was like, hmm, all right. And then I thought about it for a long time, and I, like, I always say, like, the, your game does one thing. It doesn't do three things, it does one thing. It does one thing really well, it might do a few things really, but every game does one thing. Always take back, come back to that one thing whatever your game is about, try to have things reinforce that. So I was like, well, my game's all about emotions, so and I have a stress track in the middle of the table, so, alright, screw it. So, health tracks are gone, and any time you take damage, it goes into emotional damage. So you fall from a building, you get angry. <laughs> Done. And it was amazing, because it fed right back into everything, and also now I could, like, mow down a party member, make the party mad, and push out all, all the emotions, and the game actually got even cooler. Um, and it was, like, the best Thing I think in my playtest experience of things to change, where I was like, "Wow!" and it was super freeing, also because I didn't have to have this one less thing get track. Yeah. Um, and but that's the thing; like, if you're gonna find things, uh, challenge your assumptions. You know, uh, just because fake core has always done a thing, if you're doing a fake core game, you know, like
0: maybe you don't need as many aspects in play or whatever it is. You know. Um, so, blind playtests. There's two sort of forms of this. The light. Version and the intense version. The light version is, hi there, um, here's a copy of the rules. Can you please run this? I'll sit in the corner. And the intense version is, here's the here's the game I would like you to play test. Please record it and give me feedback. I'm just gonna be crying at home. And
2: I would say that, and there's sort of subparts of some of these, like in the sense that you can um, you can passive or. You can passive or micromanage the being the person in the room. Um, so maybe like in the earliest state, you may sit in the room, but you still want the game to not go off the rails. So like you you might step in to make sure. Oh, actually, this was supposed to be that. But the other thing that's really important is to uh, what you know if they miss a
0: rule, maybe write that down.
2: Yeah, like if that's if they play really and mean. then it just goes and you're like, but it was they were supposed to do. And then the funny thing is you may even go back into the rules and go, oh, I don't actually write it there. I mean, because stuff exists up here when you start playtesting your game so much. Um, I, I have run sessions and put the wrong rule in a playtest that was I had actually excised from a previous thing. And we played through the whole way. And I was like, oh, shit. You know? And But, you know, whatever. You know, stuff like that happens.
0: Um, so a big part of this, which also affects um, beta testing, um, but blind placing especially, do not give them new information until you've recorded what they don't have. So if they're going off the rails, you you say, uh, they're asking for clarification, you write down, they needed clarification on law. Then you say, okay, now to actually be able to play, do this. But don't just, oh, what's this? Oh, it's there. Oh, it's on that page. Oh, it's this rule. I'm guessing you have a lot more experience than the two of us on. Play yes, that I'm going to be quiet so. well, now. Yeah, be wait, quiet, you.
2: <laughs> I'm like, we defer to the industry insider of infinite wisdom.
1: <laughs> One of the things that's happening at this stage is that you're also te- testing how you're communicating what your rules are. You've gone beyond just testing the rules and you're trying to figure out how you can uh, allow other people to not read your mind, but actually read the cage and, and, and do that. So um, this and the next stages, I guess, are are really about making sure that what you've got is communicating. So there's, there's different levels that you're going to be at. You might have just a word text document that you have printed out that people are reading step by step. And then once you have uh, layout and design, that can uh, aid or take away from what people had been learning from your, your, your instructions. Um, and I just recently uh, tweeted as I was working on my games, uh, your game design isn't done until so you've actually done the layout. And I think that's the most liked tweet I've ever done in my life. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it's hard because you, you can't be in layout and designing all at the same time. You can't, do it. But they don't. are integral. So, uh, and a lot of us work with other people who do the layout um, because we don't have the skills and we don't have the time to devote to that. Um, but it's, it's really important to work very closely with whoever's doing it and to think very carefully about how we do it. Um, and, you know, we'll all make mistakes. That's fine. You can revise it. Um, Layout is
2: the GUI of your game, you know, for this the graphic user interface. That's what it is, you know. If your character sheet doesn't make sense, your game could be the most amazing thing in the entire world and no one will ever play it, you
0: know. Um, <laughs> and that on, will be very sad. On a related note, keep character sheets. Yes. Take yeah. them, Absolutely. save, just tell people, feel free to scribble on things. Yeah. Those are the most useful things you'll ever find. <laughs> because you you know you like, Everyone's, like, dealing with the top left corner. They're ignoring yeah. this at the top bottom right. I have your hair color on the top left corner, and it's not <laughs> a game about a hair salon. So, like, we should put something useful there.
1: there there's an example, uh, actually, from uh, F.P.'s gaming, my husband's game, uh, Swords of that Master, that he had on one of his character sheet versions uh, um, uh, a, a diagram that showed you how to figure out whether uh, a role would gone one way or another, and the way it was being um, uh, described was clear, but everybody just always went to that table every time and never actually remembered and internalized the rule. Mm-hmm. So we threw it out. It was, it was clear, but it was, it was having the wrong effect on the players. Yeah,
2: you're going to want to look for, I mean, one of the things that you can see when you're watching another person run your game is you can actually witness when certain emotion beats happen in the game what, where a pause is, you know, is the, are the pauses happening in the right places? Are people pausing to think? Um, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with people having to pause and figure out math, as long as it doesn't, you know, derail how your vision of the game is supposed to work. And it's really hard to see that when you're, like, running the game, but when you're sitting there watching it, you're like, hmm, that's different. It is also completely terrifying. Oh, um, yes. and, uh, because, uh, yeah, it's just terrifying.
1: Um. I wanted to throw in just another roadblock that comes in the process of playtesting, which is uh, you will have catastrophic playtests. Yeah. <laughs> it will happen, accept it. It's like when, if you ski or you're doing some kind of physical sport. Sometimes people, when they're training you, they say, okay, immediately just fall. Just do the wrong thing and get over it because it'll happen and it, it isn't the end of the road. And it can be really hard. Um, I've actually experienced that uh, the worst sometimes when I'm doing the early stages and I'm playing with friends and they're doing me a favor and maybe it's not really their kind of game and then you have the worst, the, like you, you're like torturing your friends for two hours and, it, and I've had, well, I had...
2: Yeah, I had, I had an early place with my friends where it was like, you know, oh, the wheels in the bus have gone round and round and then suddenly the wheels in the bus... Caught fire. The bus careened off a cliff while it was going over the side of the cliff. A jumbo seven forty seven liner hit the bus. <laughs> that was decided. it. The, I like hit the halfway point of my game. And I said, "Screw this, guys. We're just going to have a beer." You know. Yeah. Um, Amusingly, that actually wasn't that bad of a play test objectively. <laughs> no, but but, that but, that way. but it, it was. That way. It felt that way. Uh, at conventions, it can also be extra hard because sometimes people are going to say really harsh things to you. I mean, if, I mean, uh, a, first of all, it, it, and they could even they could be right. Um, they could be wrong, but it's gonna hurt when you get it. The important thing is to write it down and or and this is also why if you're at conventions, like record your whole playtest. Because maybe you'll hit a spot where you weren't able to process what was going on because because of what was going on in the game and somebody said something. I mean it's these are emotional things. We spend our we put our souls in these things and then people beat the I then it I mean a playtest is basically a piñata of your dreams. You know? I mean <laughs> um, um and
1: That's where that script comes
0: into play that we talked about earlier. Just have something that you can say that you don't
1: want to think about. Yeah, because you don't want to be all like,
0: oh, what do? And if you are really wrought over something, you can always disclaim decision-making. Thank you, Apocalypse World, for giving me a word I can use. Um, You can say, hey, Mark, here's the thing I've got. Is is this a darling? Yeah. Okay.
2: That's easily the answer. (laughs) You know, I mean...
0: Because um, I just made him make a logical, intention, uh, intelligent decision. Because I can't; I'm too emotionally close to it.
2: Yeah, and I mean that's the weird thing. Like I, I, I find like it's. I find the most helpful thing of playtesting is to have like kind of a design buddy. You know, just yeah. one person. You just need one person, and you can even like in a small town, you can G plus with someone who's just like they're aware of what you're doing, but they uh, and, and you can just bounce stuff off. You know, because you don't need a whole play test to determine that this is a darling and shouldn't get cut,
0: you know. So, yeah, let's just go questions. There's a question. Redshirt. Uh, shirt.
2: Red You talked about one end of the spectrum. What about the other as far as getting feedback? You use something like anonymous boss because there's a lot of gamers that are. It awkward that they may have really good feedback, but they don't want to share it uh, verbally. Google Forms. Yeah, the Google Forms can work. Uh, it, it, it's hard uh, getting feedback. Like, um, I mean, this is my first game, so it was only. I've been working on it for three years, and it's only in the last, like, six months where I'm getting, you know, full on, like, I played your game, and here's my stuff. I'm like, you know, because people will play your game, even in a playtest, and they won't even. They'll be like, a year later, you'll find out they playtested it. And I was like, man, I really wish you had said something. This might
1: be a good moment to talk a little bit about what it Good, good, tips for play testers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Since we're getting close to the end of
2: the hour, tell people you play tested somebody's game. You know, like seriously. Yes. It sounds really weird, but I mean, we're not psychic. We don't know. So if you're if, if if you put your thing out in the world, just try to you know, and and you try something for someone else, tell them. And you know, including it's working okay. Uh,
0: communicate the games that you play and you like to the designer so they can. Uh, Associate. Oh, this person does a ton of apocalypse world stuff, so they have that background, uh, so that the designer can link that up with feedback if they want to.
2: Yeah, I mean, also try to provide. Yeah, it's good. It's good to try to tell designers if you can, like but you know, if you only have experience playing like one game, like you know, that's fine. But it'll 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 color your interpretation of rule sets. You know,
1: if you step into a play test situation, yeah, I'm sorry, you have a question back there. Yeah. Uh, Um, uh, and you immediately know that you really don't like the game concept, that maybe some of the mechanics make you feel uncomfortable or you think are going to bore you, it is perfectly okay to say, thank you for uh, uh, inviting me, I know that this is not the game for me, I'm going to go do something else. That's actually a really, really functional response to that. And as a designer, if you find that somebody sort of is, is, you know, Making the making it known that they really do, aren't enjoying it, it's it feels rude to say. Do you just want to leave? But maybe give people the option, you know, because they might be just being polite and really they're hungry and they want to do something else. But um, but that can having someone who actively dislikes the game at the table who's just hanging on because they feel yeah. like they should um, can can really skew the information that you're going to get. Don't uh, do the
2: thing that happened to John Adams where uh, he playtested his game a really early version and somebody was in it. And they stood up five minutes in the game, and they were like, this is shit. And they walked out of the room. And he told me the story. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm like, and the follow-up story to that is it was, like, vomiting later, I think, just because he, he took it so personally. I mean, that's, people are going to, you know, it's hard, you know. Exactly. Um, the, uh, as a play tester, other things, like, you know, ask the question, like, a lot of what we were saying is like ask your players things. You, these can be just turned back on the the GM too. If you're more knowledgeable of games and playtesting, try to ask the GM what they want. You know, if they haven't asked, you know, maybe they just don't have the experience to say that. So try to help them as much as you like you're you all in there to help each other. Like, you, know, you, you want me to do this, right. yeah.
1: And don't assume you know what this person's vision of it, it should be is. Yeah. Um, and 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 I find really helpful when playtesters don't come in thinking, I'm going to be the best play tester ever. They just come in saying, I'm going to experience this game. And then what I really want to hear from them is how it felt, what was hard, what was interesting, what was boring. And then after that, if we get into the, oh, and this is what you should change, or this is what I would I would I would do, that's fine. But what I really, really, really want as a designer is just to hear uh, what the person's natural responses were to the game. Oh,
0: awesome. So yes, we have questions. Okay. So let's do questions
2: half a question and, and a comment too. When, with our play test this time, we are in double exposure over there. Mm-hmm. What we did this time around since I have a tech person now, a real tech person, <laughs> that did the uh, barcode for the, for our questionnaire
1: and the Google on Google pages. So when we explained it to our play testers to make them feel like they, you know, take that pressure off of them and said, we explained to them, at the end of the book, you'll see this, when you're done with the test, we'll play up until the second they tell us we don't break that way you get complete playtime, and you can fill this out anonymously on your own time, and just it'll send it right to us. We, will, you know, we won't be stalking you for anything. Mm. That's great. So that
2: that was why I wanted to kind of a when you said that I was like I wanted the confirmation on that because this is the first time I'd ever seen it. That's a good idea. No, yeah. I, well, I was gonna comment. I was gonna <coughs> sort of similar to ideas. Uh, <laughs> remember to schedule time in your playtest to get feedback. It is very easy. <laughs> this is like the easiest thing to forget. If you get in the, invested in your game... And we're done. What do you think? Wait, wait oh, where are you going? And here's the thing. Is, if you're at a con. I'm like, it, it, it's, it's like everything. Everybody has other things to do. Uh, always check in with your players at the beginning to find out if there's any conflicts of time. Uh, generally, I like to give a good 20 or 30 minutes. But the playtesting feedback, feedback is frankly almost more important than even some of the game playing. So I'd rather, have, I'd rather have 30 minutes of the, of the players, especially depending on how many you have. Like, if you have three people, you probably don't need that much time. But if you have, like, five or six people, or seven or eight, you're gonna, you know, three minutes of feedback from seven people is 21 minutes. That's not a much. That's like, hi, I liked the candles in the game. You know, I mean, that's so, budget your time. You're gonna need it. Um,
0: and, uh... Yep, yeah. and there's one more question, and then we need to wrap um, when it comes to mind testing, we said you have the light and more of the hardcore. Yeah. Um, which do you feel gives you better feedback? Uh, if you're in person, you can see emotional reactions. This is good. You can also bias it with your own body language. And you go <gasps> when someone's doing something really good. I screwed up a play test that way. Um, so. They pluses and minuses in both cases,
2: and uh, like the thing is also like people are having like I mean ultimately you're searching after that whole fun vibe which is really weird but uh, you know just because it the game doesn't inherently emote the way you want it. Um, you know, if everybody still has fun, that can be really important, like, kind of feedback. Like, people are experiencing different kinds of, of games. Anyway, I think we are actually right out of time. Yep, we are out of
0: time. So, we have business
2: cards up here. Um,
1: and one last thing I just want to say. When you have those really hard play tests, hang in there. It's okay. Try yeah. it again, and you know it can work. But uh, if things keep happening bad, pay attention then. So, yep. it's a matter of balance. But good luck. Good luck. Good luck. luck.